Welcome to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. There's new momentum among elected leaders, activists, and supporters urging clemency for Leonard Peltier. The 77-year-old from the Turtle Mountain Ojibwe tribe has been in prison for more than 45 years and suffers from a number of health problems. Today, we'll get updates on Peltier from some of those who know him and find out what's behind the ongoing push to release him. That's all coming up after the news. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. A Washington state agency wants the public's help in its effort to rename 18 geographic features in the state that use a derogatory name that refers to Native American women. Spokane Public Radio's Steve Jackson reports. The word in question you have probably heard, and it's something that has been considered to be derogatory to Native Americans for years. I'm not going to say that word now. I, 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 it's not a word I'll say. That's Sarah Palmer, chair of the Washington State Committee on Geographic Names. The word has been commonly used by non-natives as the word for a Native American woman, but in fact is considered highly offensive. And at the moment, it appears in the names of 18 geographic features in Washington. It is a term that has been used in a, in a very negative way and in a sexualized way sometimes about Indigenous women. Palmer's committee has been charged by the U.S. Department of the Interior to help determine new names for 18 features, and they want the public to submit some ideas. Palmer says suggestions that came from the federal level tended to miss the mark. These proposed replacement names don't really capture our local history. We end up with place names like Columbia because, you know, the Columbia River goes near all sorts of places, right? Or Bonneville or Franklin Delano Roosevelt. And it just, they don't really make, they're not really names that make sense, and they're not really names that do that work to preserve our state's history. The committee wants to hear proposals that include traditional place names, indigenous place names, or names that reflect individual historical women. Palmer says the general public and native tribal members are all invited to participate. The deadline for public comment ends on April the 25th. For National Native News, I'm Steve Jackson reporting from Spokane. The City Council in Klamath Falls, Oregon, recently voted to rename a park, dropping the name of a frontiersman and government agent known for committing atrocities against Native Americans. Councilors unanimously voted to rename Kit Carson Park to Eulalona Park, the Associated Press reports. The park's new name is after a native village, which was once near the site before the creation of the present-day city. The city started the name change process last year and solicited names from an online survey which received nearly 400 responses. Another First Nation in Canada is preparing to search for unmarked graves at a former residential school. As Dan Karpinchuk reports, this time it will be in northern Manitoba. The Pimichikamak Cree Nation has announced plans to search the site of the former St. Joseph's Residential School. It was operated near Cross Lake by the Roman Catholic Church in northern Manitoba between 1912 and 1969. The chief of the Pimichikamak Nation is David Monius. He says the reserve has identified the names of 85 children who died at the school. However, he adds that surviving records are incomplete. Many of them are listed as boy, as girl, good 40% of them 
have uh, first names only. Now, where do these kids, where do these kids come from? Investigators say they will use ground penetrating radar to search the site, which is now a neighborhood with homes. You know, they don't describe it as a school, more like a simulation camps, torture camps, or death camps. And really, that's an inter international crime. No start date for the search has yet been determined. It was just over a week ago that the Pope apologized at the Vatican to a Canadian indigenous delegation for the role of the Catholic Church in the abuses at Canada's residential schools. Thousands of Native children were abused at the schools. Many died. For National Native News, I'm Dan Karpinchuk. And I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support by the American Indian Higher Education Consortium, working to ensure tribal colleges and universities are included in our higher education system. Information on 37 tribal colleges and universities at AIHEC.org. Support by Ramona Farms, offering wholesome and delicious foods from our heirloom crops as our contribution to a better diet for the benefit of all people. We are honored to share our centuries-old farming and culinary traditions online at RamonaFarms.com. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. This is Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. Dozens of political leaders, activists, and civil rights experts are issuing support to grant clemency for Leonard Peltier. The latest push centers on Peltier's declining health and the fact that he has so far served more than 46 years in federal prison. Peltier from the Turtle Mountain Ojibwe Reservation is currently housed at the Federal Penitentiary in Coleman, Florida, serving two life sentences for the murders of federal agents Ron Williams and Jack Kohler during a shootout on the Pine Ridge Reservation in 1975. Questions about the case and Peltier's guilt surfaced almost immediately and have only grown since his conviction. He has all but exhausted his legal options, and at least four presidents have declined to grant Peltier clemency. Today we'll get updates on the momentum to release 77-year-old Leonard Peltier and hear why now could be his best chance for compassionate release. We welcome your comments and questions by calling in 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. Gene Roach is the co-director of the International Leonard Peltier Defense Committee and a survivor of the 1975 Pine Ridge Shootout. She is Minikonju Lakota from the Cheyenne River Sioux Tribe, and she is speaking with us today from Rapid City, South Dakota. Jean, welcome back to Native America Calling. Good morning. How are you doing? Doing well. Thank you so much, Jean. Lenny Foster is the spiritual advisor for Leonard Peltier. He is also a retired program supervisor for the Navajo Nation Corrections Project. He is Diné and speaking with us from St. Michael's, Arizona. Welcome back to NAC Lenny, and please feel free to further introduce yourself. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, it's an honor. Um, by way of introduction, I'm a Kia'ani, born for Tsetskwane, 
and my chase are topahe and my nalis are enavahe. And that translated as Tarnhouse clan, born for Mountain Cove. My uh, maternal grandparents are River Edge, and my paternal grandparents are nomads, or one who walks around. And I've been uh, Leonard Peltier's uh, spiritual advisor for uh, 37 years, and it's been a long haul. Well, Lenny, thank you again for that formal introduction. We certainly do appreciate it. Also joining us on the show today from Rich Fountain, Missouri, is Carolyn Matthews. She is an attorney, board member for the Mid-Missouri Civil Liberties Association and co-founder of the Native American Support Group. Thanks for being on the show, Carolyn. Thank you. So, Gene, I'd like you to first please give us an update on Leonard Peltier. He's suffering from some health issues. Uh, when did you last see him, and how is he doing right now? Visit Leonard uh, about a month ago. They've had, you know, over the pandemic, they've had like almost total lockdowns. And um, well, he looked good. I mean, you know, he was happy. I gave him a great hug. You know, it's just like. You know, after all these, you know, it's like 47 years, you know, that he's been in there. And he doesn't look too bad, but, you know, he's not feeling good. And, you know, when he got COVID, he just, he was in the cell for four days without any attention, you know. Nobody checked on him. And even though he had all these major health problems, he was never taken to the medical thing. I mean, to the medical ward or whatever they call it. So he had, like, the water in Coleman, Florida is not drinkable. You have to buy water. I mean, it has a weird color to it. And he didn't have water during that time he was sick. Um, the solitary confinement time, they usually give them, like, peanut butter and bread. We all know that diabetics, which he is, need a really great, better diet, you know, to uh, manage your diabetes, you know. And they have no phones, no fresh air or showers. And, um, you know, it's just really worse than ever. It's just like, you know, almost, a, I mean, pretty much a death sentence for some prisoners. And we're so happy that he survived it. You know, everybody in his whole cell uh, unit, which is an elderly unit, got the latest booster except for him. You know, one thing that we need to realize is that as Native people, this genocide continues. I mean, it started way back at contact. Leonard is no different than the prisoners from, you know, when they took Sitting Bull, Crazy Horse, you know, uh -huh. Geronimo. Yeah. So Gene, I, I want to, yeah, they certainly are. And, and you mentioned that, that Leonard uh, was in his cell for four days with COVID. How bad were his symptoms? Uh, he had uh, bad symptoms. Um, I'm not sure exactly how to measure that, but yeah, he's coughing. Um, we were very, very worried. You know, because he already had a triple bypass, he's had a stroke, he has partial blindness, hypertension, and not to mention the abdominal oreotic aneurysm, which has been very life-threatening. It's just a matter of, you know, getting to a certain width and exploding, you know what I mean? Uh -huh. so, and it, but his spirits yeah. are up, though, it sounds like? Well, I don't know if that's a front you know, when people come to see him, but I think deep down, you know, geez, 47 years inside of a prison, I mean, there's not, I mean, I don't know, it's just so uh, mind-boggling, 
that he's continued to be in there despite all of the evidence that we carry. You know, it's just obnoxious, really, mm-hmm. it is, that they ignore this. And Gene, what is your relationship with Leonard? Um, him and my mother were friends. That's how we met. Um, I consider him an uncle, you know. And, you know, we just, like, we've been connected through all these years, you know, and it's just, like, um, it's just really hard to understand or even reconsider why he's still in there because, you know, it's just um, so many things have happened to him in his life, you know, that he hasn't been able to participate in. You know, the legal evidence is overwhelming. You know, it's just straight down to genocide. You know, like he's being kept in there. And it's like an yeah. eye for an eye. You know, the FBI has, you know, really put an all out war on him along with the American Indian Movement. And they've done that to several people through the Quintel Pro program. Mm-hmm. You know, now, Gene, yeah, I mean, we certainly want to talk about that, but I, I really want to focus also just on, on overall this whole push towards clemency now and Leonard's health. And, uh, the big news are all these supporters that are speaking out on his behalf around the world. And, and I'm curious, is he paying close attention to these voices? And are they giving him some encouragement? Oh, yes. Yes. I mean, he always has encouragement. But then the bottom line is the ending result, you know, because he's always had a lot of support. You know, even way back in the 80s, he had several members of Congress that have asked for his, you know, release. And I, um, I hope that he continues, but then there's always that letdown, you know, mm-hmm. and that's really the scary part. And I can't even imagine how that would be in 47 years and being let down again. And, you know, it's just, it's just really inhuman. It's like an atrocity um, that needs to go to a world court of his treatment within the prison, along with a lot of our other brothers and sisters that are inside. Well, if you have a question or a comment for our show today, please give us a call 1-800-996-2848. We're speaking with Gene Roach regarding the recent push for Leonard Peltier's clemency. And and Gene, are there some new developments in this case for clemency? I mean, it seems like it's getting more traction than it has in a long time. Um, the new developments continue because we've just got some new documents released through the Freedom of Information Act is where we found a lot of our, uh, our backup to our stories of what we were claiming. And we were finding more and more misconduct from the government side, you know, the prosecutors. We also have James Reynolds' new letter that came out, the second letter, stating that they didn't really have a theory. They made it up. You know, we all knew that. They kept changing the story. So how does that represent the United States? You know, they've ignored our treaties forever. You know, we're just barely surviving on the reservations. You know, we're being pounded down by racism and genocide. Uh And it's just like this is a continued example of what is going on with our people and being in prison. Gene, a minute ago you mentioned James Reynolds. And for our listeners, can you clarify who he is again, James Reynolds? He was the head prosecutor of Leonard, uh, the Resmore murders, as they call him. Uh, and he's the one that, uh, you know, was the top dog of the prosecution. Okay. So he, okay. Got it. Yeah. 
Okay. And Jane, I mean, Jane, you've mentioned uh, it's almost 50 years that he's been in, incarcerated now, 46 years, and he's exhausted so many of these legal remedies. But right now, I mean, you, you talk to, to Leonard, what, what would he like to see at this point in terms of, of his case moving forward? What would make him happier? Freedom. You know, he hasn't been able to hold his grandchildren, his children, any of his relatives, the things that we take for granted every day, he has no access. The sunshine, the moon, the stars, you know, Mother Earth, that's all the stuff we stand for in our religious, you know, in our lives, you know. That he is also, you know, wanting to do. He doesn't have access to uh, the sweat lodge. He doesn't have access to, you know, the very basic stuff that we get, you know, he doesn't have access to that. So that's like a, not only a physical, but a mental torture to him. You know, how long are they going to keep continually abusing him within the system? You know, it's just ironic. I mean, it's totally out of line. Um, why do the Native people, and I know he's not the only one. There are several, you know, people that are doing time just because of our skin color. You know, and that is a fact. Well, if you'd like to join our discussion today about the push for clemency for Leonard Peltier again in federal prison for 46 years, give us a call, 1-800-996-2848. We really want to hear from our listeners today. All opinions are valued here on Native America Calling, all perspectives. So please give us a holler. We're going to be back right after a short break. The federal government is offering new money to help low-income people pay their water bills and to fix household water issues. It's part of a temporary program that's also available for tribes. We'll find out about the program and learn how some tribes are accessing it on the next Native America Calling. Mesa Lands Community College can help you lead the way in your chosen field. At Mesa Lands, where one in three students is Native American, you get hands-on opportunities working one-on-one with instructors in wind energy, where students go up the turbine in their first semester, silversmithing with access to the largest foundry in the Southwest, and blacksmithing in the cowboy arts. Mesa Lands has a national top 10 rodeo team, too. Info and applications at mesalands.edu. Mesa Lands Community College supports this program. Thanks for tuning in to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. Leonard Peltier is the focus of our show today. His case involving the death of two FBI agents has been debated for nearly half a century. His supporters are mounting a new push for clemency. What do you think? Join the discussion, 1-800-996-2848. That's 1-800-996-2848. Before we went to break. We were listening to Jean Roach, and she was talking about her recent visit with Leonard Peltier and just some of the updates to his case for clemency. And Jean, uh, an, another really fascinating uh, thing about yourself is you are a Pine Ridge shooting survivor. You were there in the summer of 1975. You were a teenager. What do you remember about that day? It was real typical starting, you know, um, we were always one uh, we were always just, you know, enjoying the, the time, uh, helping the people is basically what we were up to. Most of the people that were there, there were several of us in the area. We have had, you know, the grandma's house. We have Dennis Banks's house. And we have June Little's house. And then we had a camp. But most of us that were at the camp, uh, except for like Leonard, uh, Dino, and Bob, 
were teenagers, and most of us that escaped that day were teenagers. The only ones that weren't were the ones that were charged. Um, and it's, uh, you know, we did a lot of things for the community. They were willing to pull apart from the IRA government because of the conduct of Dick Wilson during the reign of terror after the Wounded Knee um, takeover. Over six people were run over or killed. So the climate there was and is still living by the gun. But actually, you know, people were being um, assaulted uh, everywhere. So when these FBI agents came in and unmarked cars, knows who it was. You know what I mean? Because drive-bys were actually the norm. So um, one of the things that we did do for the grandmother before a few days was we put in the garden for her. We were there on positive aspects. You know, when the media got a hold of the, uh, you know, of the story after the shootout happened, they labeled us as 30 well-armed guerrillas. So part of their game plan has always been to um, reduce us to stereotypes. You know, way back, you know, when they first came, we were the, you know, the nits and the lice of life, you know, as different colonels had uh, um, talked about the people that wounded knee that were massacred, you know, mm-hmm. this outrageous. And it continues to date. Yeah, and Gene, how close were you to, to the shooting when it actually occurred? Just right down the road, but as soon as the shooting started, we tried to get out of there, but we were already already surrounded. So we went into the hill, I mean, into the, uh, kind of like the area around the uh, creek and trying to find a way out, and people were all trying to come out with their kids and stuff. So it wasn't just, you know, it's just a community being attacked. So we could hear the gunshots. Uh, I never went up towards that because I went in the other direction until we were trying to come back and find a way out. And we ran into Leonard and them um, in the uh, forest, the tree area. Mm -hmm. You know, he apologized to us. He never planned on this happening to me and my brother. He was only 11 years old. So they told him that he had to give himself up. But the rest of us had a choice. You go up that hill, put your hands up, give yourself up. As soon as my brother did that, a bunch of shooting happened. We didn't know if he survived it or not. He was only 11 years old. So, you know, they didn't care, you know. And we got shot at as we ran up, the, you know, for cover up on the hills. So it's like, um, you know, it was an all it was an all-out war against Natives. And after the aftermath, you know, they went into houses, no warrants. I mean, they were just like, uh, you know. They didn't care. They wanted information, mm-hmm. and they wanted it now. The okay. FBI. Well, Gene, I'm so I'm glad that that you survived, and, and you're able to be on our show today and and share this story because it just uh, it, it's just really shocking to hear the details as you describe them. Let's bring Lenny Foster into our show now, and again, he is a spiritual advisor to Leonard Peltier. Lenny, can you tell us more about the spiritual help that you provide, Leonard Peltier? Yes, uh, I sundanced with uh, Leonard Peltier uh, at Crow Dogs Paradise, 1975. So we both uh, went through the Sundance, the Swellot ceremonies, the four-day uh, ceremonial practices, the ancient ceremonial practices of the, uh, the Lakota people. So through that experience, uh, when I uh, first heard he was arrested, 
and sent to uh, United States Penitentiary, Marion. Then he was also sent uh, to uh, United States Penitentiary, uh, Long Park, California. So he was in prison at least uh, a good eight years before he sent word out, wanted me to come in and do uh, sweat lodge ceremonies for him because he was fighting for the sweat lodge in the uh, Federal Bureau of Prison. And he was uh, sent from uh, Long Park to uh, Leavenworth, Kansas. So I started visiting him at the United States Penitentiary, Leavenworth, Kansas, in 1985 in March. And and, uh, my responsibilities as a spiritual advisor to him and other Native Americans that were incarcerated there, I think there there was uh, 85 Native Americans, all different tribes, that USP Leavenworth. And he was there for a good 20 years. So I visited him all, all that time at least three times a year, did the uh, sweat lodge ceremony, the pipe ceremony, the spiritual counseling, uh, talking circle, just uh, providing that spiritual support uh, to him and other Native Americans, and then we got really acquainted. I first met Leonard uh, in Denver, Colorado, 1970, on the streets, and uh, he was asking about... uh, the AIM office, he wanted to know where the AIM office was, and I told him it was uh, right down the street. This was in Denver on Colfax Avenue, and so that that's how we got acquainted. Before that, I didn't know him. So mm-hmm. through uh, the Sundance, the sweat lot ceremonies, uh, we got acquainted, and then I started visiting him, like I said, at least three times a year in the springtime, in the summer and then in the fall. So uh, I was able to provide him with the uh, cleansing and purification, prayers through uh, the tobacco and the, the pipe, and the spiritual counseling, smudging, using the fireplace, and uh, all the other Native Americans really enjoyed that. And at that time, it was David Chief and Archie Fire, Lame Deer, were the... Uh, uh, spiritual leaders also, and then um, they passed away. And I, I picked up the, the picked up the baton. You took over for him to, to yeah. continue those uh, ceremonies. Lenny, Lenny, I want to ask you because Leonard Peltier has now spent the majority of his life behind bars, and I'm not sure that most of us can really comprehend what that would be like. And and what's his what's your take on his mindset? Is is he angry is he bitter is resentful how does he feel no actually he's a very uh understanding a very uh kind very uh, genuine uh native man he's a a a, a real uh, human being that's how i know him he's a very talented uh artist and a painter also he's very intelligent he's very well read uh he keeps up with things, even though he's locked up inside. And he's, he's a, he has a real uh, uh, gentle disposition. And he has a, a real sense of humor. I enjoy his company. We enjoy each other's company when we get together. We visit uh, out at the Swell Lodge area for several, maybe up to five, six hours. 
and all the, all the other Native Americans. And he's he's a like a mentor and a leader for the other Native Americans. He's he's a lot older, and they, so they have that respect for him. And uh, like I said, he's a, a very talented painter. And some of his uh, paintings, I have uh, two of his paintings right here in my house, and you know other uh, prominent uh, people are. Uh, in possession of these paintings and their very uh, keepsake. I, I took one painting that he made of Evo Morales uh, and, and he asked me to, to go down to Bolivia, Cochabamba, and I, I met with uh, Evo Morales, the uh, indigenous president of uh, Bolivia, and I took a painting. And it, it was a big painting. I took it on the plane and I presented it to uh, uh, Evo Morales on behalf of Leonard Peltier, and he really, really was taken by that. So, uh, Leonard's really uh, inspiring. Really inspiring to hear that. Lenny, I want to ask you, you know, the same thing I asked Gene. um, Why do you think Leonard deserves clemency now, here, 2022, 46 years later? Why is it time? He's deserving because uh, he he didn't receive a fair trial. And in fact, they uh, changed these uh, charges from uh, murder to uh, because they couldn't prove the prosecution couldn't prove that he was the shooter that he was actually the person responsible for that. So they changed to aiding and abetting. They lied, they, uh, distorted, and uh, concocted uh, false affidavits, false evidence, coerced witnesses. You know that, that that that's not a a fair trial, mm-hmm. and yeah. that's how they they were able to convict him. So he, you know he's uh, he's under the old law, and the old law is that if you do uh, seven seven to ten years of a life sentence, you're eligible for release. And he's he's been eligible for release at least uh, three four times over because he's he's going on forty six years now. And, uh, it's high time that he, he be released because, uh, as uh, Gene mentioned, that uh, the prosecutor, James Reynolds, have uh, reneged on uh, that uh, decision, that guilty. Uh, Lenny, what do you they, think his chances are? What do you think Leonard's chances are right now uh, of gaining this clemency? I, I really do. I, I have uh, uh, a lot of hope and uh I pray for him, his family. I I, I do. I, I'm very positive that it's going to happen. It's just a, the political uh, ramifications is uh, is going to move the Biden administration to recognize that justice has to prevail. In, yeah, and uh, speaking the, of that, has has President Biden spoken at all yet about Leonard Peltier and his case publicly? Do you know? I don't think he's uh, publicly said anything about it. He's waiting, I believe, uh, till the end of his term before he he would uh, make that uh, decision. That that's what I think. But you know, time time is uh, very valuable, and um, mm-hmm. so it has to be done soon. And there's there's a lot of support. There's a very active campaign that's been mounted by. Uh, the Peltier office, uh, Carol Gokey, Kevin Sharps, uh, 
uh, a former United States federal judge. He's the attorney. You got Gene Roach or Peter Clark, Ruth Buffalo, people like that or who are very uh, supportive, doing some hard work. Uh, Nick uh, Estes, the professor, people like that. So there's a very uh, active campaign that has been amounted to to solicit that support. And then recent uh, statements by uh, Senator Frank Leahy of the Judiciary Committee has said that it's time that Leonard Peltier be released and allowed to go home. Uh, Brian, Senator Brian Schatz of the, or he's a congressman, Brian Schatz of Hawaii, the House Committee on Indian Affairs, has also written a letter of support to uh, Joe Biden. The International Indian Treaty Council has sit, submitted or written a letter. The National Congress of American Indians have, uh, have uh, put together a resolution. It's been sent to... Uh, the Biden administration. So you have uh, you have all these uh, uh, prominent uh, people and organizations. Uh, Deb Holland has expressed her report or her her support for release of Leonard Peltier. Uh, resolutions from the Indian uh, various Indian respective Indian tribes, Indian nations. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lenny, tribal how about- leaders like Harold Frazier and. Kevin Killer. In, in addition to the tribal leaders and, and some of these high-profile figures, I'm interested in just what do you think the broad support is uh, just amongst Native people, not necessarily tribal leaders, uh, not elected officials, but just regular Native people? Because like I mentioned earlier, we're at a time now that I think the majority of Native people, um, they, they, were, they weren't even alive when all of this went down back in the 70s. And I'm curious, what do you think, just the average Native person, how supportive are they of clemency for Leonard Peltier? What's your, what's your, your take on just the pulse of, of Indian country on this issue? Native American becomes more aware of this uh, injustice, wrongly, uh, uh, unjustly conviction, imprisonment of Leonard Peltier. They, they would support the release of Leonard Peltier, and that's what I think... Uh, uh, prevails throughout Indian country, throughout the United States, because he, he's been in there a long time. He's a, become a symbol of resistance. And I, I think, uh, as Gene mentioned, that the Indian people have always uh, resisted um, from uh, denial of uh, human rights, the treaty rights of our people, even uh, civil rights. And I think the average Indian realizes that in their in their uh, gut feelings about uh, the, the, how the, uh, the criminal justice system affects uh, everyday uh, family, Native American families. So I, I think there there are uh, support that's uh, being uh, increasing and mounted. Mm-hmm. Well, listeners, please give us your comments. Call in with your questions insights, perspectives. We really want to hear from you today. This is Native America Calling, 1-800-996-2848. That is the number to call. I'll give you the number again, 1-800-996-2848. You can also reach out on Facebook at Native America Calling or on Twitter at one 800 native We'll get your comments on the air. Uh, post a picture on Instagram if necessary. 
Whatever it is you want to share today, we are open. Phone lines are open, and we really want to hear from our listeners. Again, 1-800-996-2848. We're talking about clemency for Leonard Peltier, again, in federal prison now for 46 years. He's in his late 70s now. He is suffering from health issues. You're listening to Native America Calling. I'm your host, Sean Spruce, and we're going to be back after this break. If you're hurting in your relationship or have been affected by sexual violence, StrongHeart's Native Helpline is a no-charge, 24-7, confidential and anonymous domestic, dating, and sexual violence helpline for Native Americans. Help is available by calling 1-844-7-NATIVE or by clicking on the chat icon on strongheartshelpline.org. This program is supported by StrongHeart's Native Helpline. I'm glad you could join us today on Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. Could Leonard Peltier be released from prison? That's a question only President Biden can answer, but you can certainly share your thoughts about the Peltier case by calling in 1-800-996-2848. That's 1-800-99-NATIVE. Grab your phone. We're waiting. And we actually have a caller right now, Macaw, listening online in Saskatchewan, Canada. Macaw, you're on the air. Hi there. Can you hear me? Yes, Macaw, we can hear you. Um, I keep hearing from Lenny Foster, and then you just mentioned it too, that um, it seems like the main route for Leonard to get out is for Biden to do the right thing. I'm just wondering if there's alternative routes to get Leonard out besides uh, Biden, because we know how Biden is. He's not very... Uh, Proactive, you know, he he let the whole line three go three through. He's letting the oil go through the DAPL pipeline. Like, you know, is, mm -hmm. is there another route legally through the system? And how can we support uh, momentum for that other route? Makah, thank you for that question. And let's go ahead and bring in our uh, legal voice on the show today, Carolyn Matthews. And Carolyn, uh, can you respond to that? Are there other alternatives other than uh, President Biden granting clemency? Are there any other ways to release Sir Leonard Peltier at this point? Hello, and thanks for having me. The problem is there are many routes, but most of them, really all of them, have either great faults or are impossible. Um, I hate to say that. But on the other hand, we need to be realistic. And his current attorney, Kevin Sharp, has said that really the other options are not the one to focus on. We need to focus on Biden in spite of his weaknesses. He has expressed interest in human rights in many ways. He has not followed through on all of those, and we know that. But um, the problem with compassionately release and COVID release there have been many, many thousands of people appealing for these, and only a small, tiny number have been granted. And also, the original compassionate release um, law passed did not allow people from old cases like Leonard's in the 70s to be included. So any change in that would hinge on the Senate passing a new bill 
um, by Senator Durbin and uh, another one from Illinois, I'm forgetting at the moment. But bottom line, this new bill is in the slow-moving Senate, and we know that Mitch McConnell just tends to make everything super slow or impossible whenever he wants to. Um, the clemency option, actually, I think the bottom line is um, Biden already has a lot of legal information that has been sent to him, including the amazing letter from James Reynolds, the former prosecutor, not uh, the only original prosecutor, but he came in the after trial and appeals. And I have a beautiful quote here. I write today from a position rare for a former prosecutor to beseech you to commute the sentence of a man who I helped put behind bars. And he goes on to say, with the benefit of hindsight, I have realized that the prosecution and continued incarceration of Mr. Peltier was and is unjust. We were not able to prove that Mr. Peltier personally committed any offense on the Pine Ridge Reservation. So what I want to say now is what I think this really rests on is creating a groundswell. We've got admirers, supporters, uh, revered people worldwide. We need to spread this out. We need to keep expanding people's awareness, and we need to call Biden. And I would like to give that number for the um, comment line in Washington. It's 202-456-1111. It's not available every day, just Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday pretty much middle of the day hours, like in Central Standard Time where I am, it's 10 to 2. East Coast, it's 11 to 3. So, you know, go figure in your time zone. Um, but bottom line, um, we need to keep building the support and make letters. In the old days, boy, I pushed petitions from our little grassroots Native American support group for many years. And yeah, I met with wonderful people like Archie Fire, Lame Deer, and Louis Irwin and others who led sweat lodges and ceremonies and, and were wonderful, inspiring people. But not everyone understands the degree of spiritual inspiration and wisdom that Native people have. They're, they're beginning to understand more. Standing Rock mm -hmm. was a big push forward. And Peltier contributed paintings to that to help pay for the work there and for many other charities he's done. He's not embittered. He's still trying to keep his head above water and keep a spiritual, high-minded High, you know, the highest part of his heart is trying for the best for everyone, not just himself. But call Biden, 202-456-1111. The key is to keep the calls coming. And okay, we've got letter. that number. We've got that number. And, and we do have some more callers on the line. We've got Ed listening online in Ohio. Ed, you're on the air. Yes, uh, I'm here. Ed, feel free to share your thoughts on Native America Calling. Okay, all right. Um, just a few things. Uh, I understand the, the passion, believe me. Um, but there there would be a good opportunity to have a good dialogue. And let's start with the 60 murders on Pine Ridge. Um, <clears throat> there were, um, in July of 2000, the FBI responded to the Leonard Peltier Defense Committee's list of these 60 murders that occurred on Pine Ridge, claiming that they were never investigated. Well, the fact, the fact remains that uh, of the 57 names that were provided to the FBI, um, two were a result of, or three uh, result of uh, child abuse, domestic violence, four, uh, alcohol-related, five, robbery, two, fights and personal disputes, 14, vehicular homicide, four, 
accidental shooting to health reasons to suicide one, accidental two, and no record of one. Now, of those, 21 resulted in in federal convictions, one uh, resulted in a local conviction, a number of them, and I won't go in, into the other details, uh, were presented to the U.S. attorney, but there wasn't sufficient uh, evidence to, to to prosecute anybody. Now, <clears throat> um, Carolyn quoted from James Reynolds' uh, letter, and let's just make James Reynolds' position very clear. He was the U.S. attorney for the Southern District, I mean, I'm sorry, for the, for the District of South Dakota. Leonard was, was prosecuted in Fargo, North Dakota. That's where the trial, the conviction, and all the appeals originated from. So based on um, uh, James Reynolds' letters, I spoke with Lynn Crooks, the individual who actually uh, wrote the appeals uh, or the responses to the appeals, and his response was that this claim is a gross misstatement of the record. And then he goes on to say, I had no conversations of any kind with Mr. Reynolds. The, uh, to the best of my knowledge, <clears throat> excuse me, he contributed nothing whatsoever to what went on, uh, when uh, went into the final brief on direct appeal or into the... Um, uh, the subsequent government briefs uh, resisting Peltier's uh, numerous uh, appeals. So th- there's a lot of information out there that just is not accurate. And what what's really needed is is a uh, a reasonable dialogue. Now I've written three times to uh, Judge Sharp, um, raising a number of issues that he brought up during interviews and some um, media interviews, and he has yet to respond. I've challenged him on the facts, on the record, from the the, the entire appellate history of Leonard uh, uh, Peltier. Um, <clears throat> and one other thing that, that keeps that everybody keeps forgetting about now, Leonard has changed his story a number of times. He originally said in, in his book, Prison Writings, I fired a few shots above the agent's uh, heads. Um, and then in the 60 Minutes interview, he admitted uh, shooting at the agents. But then for almost two decades, and this is documented in Redford's Incident at Oglala, okay. where, where uh, Bob Robodeau... Ed, I'm sorry, I'm going to... I appreciate, really appreciate those comments, Ed. And again, I really appreciate you bringing uh, so many details into the discussion and some of these figures. And uh, yeah, you certainly bring another perspective, and it's very much appreciated. And, and there's no doubt that Leonard Peltier is a polarizing figure, uh, a polarizing figure. And, um, you know, there are certainly the attractors and, and that are adamant that he never gets released. And appreciate you coming in and just bringing in another perspective and, and mentioning that information on James Reynolds uh, and just bringing in uh, a new voice to the conversation. Very much appreciated. I want to go to the phones again, bring in another caller. We have Mary. She's listening on KUNM in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Mary, you're on the air. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I met Bob Rabadou and Paulette Dote. In the early 90s, Bob was on um, Singing Wire one Sunday, and I called and invited he and Paulette to come to our house for dinner. 
And over the years, I've remained friends with Paulette, knew Bob uh, when he met Pilar and went to Barcelona. Um, I'm still in contact with Paulette Dote. My, and she worked for many, many years as a volunteer for the International Leonard Peltier Defense Committee to get Leonard um, out of prison. And I, for one, support all efforts to have clemency granted to Leonard. He is serving a prison sentence Two that he did not deserve. Um, that's why I'm okay. calling today. All right. Well, thank you for your comments as well. Really appreciate them. We have another caller on the line, uh, Stephen Romero, listening on KUNM in Taos, New Mexico. Stephen, you're on the air. Hello. We can hear you, Stephen. Stephen Romero, uh, Ute Nation in Taos, Pueblo. And I would just like to make it aware to all the indigenous brothers and sisters out there worldwide that it's time to stand together in unity to help free our brother Leonard Peltier. He's been incarcerated for so long, and he needs to uh, be set free and be able to spend time with his family, enjoy life, and heal himself. And this is why I'm a part of this um Global Peace Walk and for the water and also for the run for Leonard Peltier that uh, all the ancestors, uh, Tinkashila, the great spirits, will be able to uh, feel our walking, our prayers, you know, for Leonard, that he's able to have strength, um, that together, not just only indigenous people, but all brothers and sisters worldwide to call in and to say prayers Together in unity, we can make a change. It doesn't matter about our skin color. It doesn't matter who we are, what cultures we come from. We all Mm -hmm. bleed red. We all drink water, you know. So I just like to say a quick prayer um, to for everybody and for Leonard. Okay, Stephen, thank you so much for those words of peace. We really appreciate your thoughts as well. We have time for one more caller, Daryl, listening on KYNR in in Yakima, Washington. Daryl, you're on the air. Yes, thank you. I'd just like to express uh, my condolences to all his family that have suffered with him and his uh, journey to prison, prison life. And that it ain't easy and that he's got to hang in there and stay strong. The Creator will be blessing him in many ways and all through his walk of life. I know he's met special people and I pray that they all get out along with him and that he enjoys a walk of freedom. Thank you. Thank you, Daryl, so much. And let's bring Gene Roach back into the conversation. And Gene, we even chatted about this a little bit before the show, and so much has been written about Leonard's case over the years, both in support of him and against him. I actually think you could teach a whole class in law school about it, honestly, and maybe somebody already has, I don't know, but I think sometimes for lay people uh, like myself, it's daunting to try and really comprehend everything that's happened. We've had some different perspectives call in today, some different opinions, some different views on, on the whole situation. So I'd really like to know, Gene, what do you recommend for just a regular Native person who wants to get a good objective overview of the Peltier case without making, you know, a huge investment in time. 
What resources can they turn to to learn more? Jean, we're going to give you the last word. Yes, we have a website. It's called whoisleonardpeltier.info, and there you can go through, like, court transcripts, and, you know, there's just all kinds of information. But the one thing that you got to look at is our history of colonization. You look at that, and you look at the Peltier case and the way that people are being treated to date, and you'll understand. Just that guy that called from Ohio, I mean, hello, yes, we're the federal agents responsible for the reign of terror. Yes, they were. They gave automatic weapons to the goon squads of Pine Ridge, and now he wants to cover it with a, like a one-sentence investigation. No, those are our relatives there. They were killed in the 1800s, and they were killed in the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, were continually being attacked. But the bottom line is people don't really see the, the whole effect because it's hidden with the, you know, not teaching the, about the race theory. I mean, we have South Dakota. We're in the middle of a war right now. And if you can't see it, you need to decolonize your mind and look right into what is going on with us. Our land is being taken. Our Black Hills is being mined. We have rotten water from the 40s. I mean, nobody told us that we have high rates of cancer. I mean, yes, this is part of it. If you mm-hmm. can't connect the dots because the education system is not teaching us, and now we're trying to teach this to our, um, our new uh, awakening or renewal, you know, okay. exactly Jean. how the water protectors are treated. We're going to have to wrap up our discussion now. I, I would love to have another hour to, to talk about these issues, but unfortunately, we only have so much time. I'd like to thank my guests for coming on today's show. Gene Roach, Lenny Foster, and Carolyn Matthews for updates and insights on efforts to grant clemency for Leonard Peltier. If we weren't able to take your call, please comment on Facebook. The conversation continues even after we go off the air. Join us again tomorrow. We've got another awesome live show planned for you, learning about a federal program to help people with their water bills. Until then, I'm your host, Sean Spruce. Thanks for listening to Native America Calling. with a disability and feel you have not been able to access services for you or a loved one? The Native American Disability Law Center can help. The Native American Disability Law Center is a not-for-profit 501c3, and there is no charge for this help. More info at 800-862-7271 or nativedisabilitylaw.org. Who support this show? CMS at Pink to Tikayo to Kaitnik Sahalan, Apojilgit Ikayo Kaitnik Dunafsni, Unom Kimirikina, Kanskut Kimuzvik Pnijalil Ranas Narito Vizariku with Bakshuku Healthcare.gov, Asukayaga Luku one eight hundred three one eight two five nine six.
unakingon ng Katokwakan Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. Native America Calling is produced in the Annenberg National Native Voice Studios in Albuquerque, New Mexico by Kwanak Broadcast Corporation, a native nonprofit media organization. Funding is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with support from the Public Radio Satellite Service. Music is by Brent Michael Davis. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.